This is a recording of The Maori Stairway to Heaven by Lewis Midgley. Originally published in Interpreter, A Journal of Mormon Scripture, Volume 12, 2014, pages 97 through 110. Read by Scott Dunaway. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license and may be freely distributed if it remains unchanged. The journal and its website are credited and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles and resources on Mormon scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com. The Maori Stairway to Heaven by Lewis Midgley A review of Jason Hartley, Ngamahi, The Things We Need to Do, The Pathway of the Stars. Jason Hartley has both training and wide experience in criminology and criminal justice systems. He is, among other things, an expert on Asian gangs in Australia. Ungamahi is an account of how he came to be employed for a decade seeking ways, other than merely building more prisons, of stemming Maori degradation and resulting flow into prisons. He came to believe that what is required is the recovery of the traditional ancient Maori moral teachings and the related power and authority of traditional social controls. Ngamahi sets out what these moral teachings are and why he believes they constitute the proper recipe for resolving the most pressing problems facing the criminal justice system in New Zealand. Ngamahi is also, among other things, an account of Hartley's own journey of discovery, a striking spiritual odyssey among the Maori in New Zealand. His first encounter with Maori was in 1988 to 1990, when he served as an LDS missionary in the New Zealand Christchurch Mission. He later found it difficult to reconcile his earlier experience with Maori Latter-day Saints with what he encountered in the New Zealand criminal justice system. In Ngamahi, he calls attention to the malaise and turbulence that troubles the contemporary Maori world. Stated bluntly, an increasing number of Maori are unable to win the battle against the blandishments of attractive, addictive European vices that are sending large numbers of them to prison. They often find themselves in the clutches of alcoholism, drug addiction, and resulting violent criminal activity. They are also addicted to gambling, tobacco, casual sex, resulting in a flood of irresponsible fathers and often indifferent single mothers, increasing domestic violence, etc. In one way or another, this is the story of indigenous and other peoples elsewhere. Hartley attributes this tragic debasement to the loss of the beliefs and actions that once morally sustained a noble social order. This degradation has, has resulted in an ever greater flow of Maori who have lost their moral bearings into crime and hence made them clients of the New Zealand's criminal justice system. The often well-meaning government efforts to stem the tide of debasement have failed, while increasing the tax burden to finance and maintain prisons. Hartley argues that the Maori have within their oldest traditions the cure for the malady that afflicts them. Given the challenges they face, he argues that their old stories, their traditional arcane teachings, have the power to ameliorate their lives by giving them a moral anchor to help them avoid the allure of the very attractive European vices. Hartley argues the flow of Maori into prison can be stemmed if they recover their traditional moral bearings, which includes what he calls, quote, the senseless disregard of sacred things, end quote. 
Maori must turn back to their old beliefs, to ancient sacred teachings about human and divine things. They must do the works, ngamahi, necessary to climb the steps to the highest heaven, or pathway of the stars. An Encounter quote, It started in 1990. Hartley's Odyssey begins in 1990 following a visit to his future wife and her family in Fangaray the provincial center of the area north of Auckland known as the Northland. Hartley served his LDS mission on the South Island of New Zealand. They had met when they were both serving missions on the South Island. This explains why he was in Whangarei and also why and how he came to work as an advisor for the New Zealand criminal justice system among his wife's people. Hartley's future wife made it possible for him to spend the night in Auckland in the home of the manager of the Mount Aden prison so that he could catch an early flight back to Brisbane, Australia. During that night, he had an encounter with a long-dead Maori. His night visitor turned out to be Mokomoko, a Maori from the small Fakatorea tribe, who had been falsely accused of killing a Protestant preacher. He was arrested, tried, and then later executed. Mokomoko was hanged, and his body was buried at the Mount Aden prison. The Crown then seized 173,000 acres of Whakatoea land. Mokomoko's descendants were eventually able to prove his innocence, and in 1993 he, quote, was officially exonerated by the New Zealand Department of Justice, end quote. Over 123 years later, his body was exhumed and taken back to tribal lands to be properly buried. Hartley indicates that, quote, it was between his exhumation and his exoneration that Mokomoko appeared to me at the Mount Aden prison. End quote. Hartley states quote, In colonial times, the Mount Aden prison was a holding yard for certain Maori leaders who failed to submit to British rule. Having dared to resist Crown authority, many of the leaders were treated as criminals and sent to quote, the Mount. End quote. The terrible tragic irony is that this prison was once, quote, part of the mechanism to dismantle the social controls and leadership of the Maori, while it is now being, quote, used to incarcerate their descendants, who are very much the product of too little social control and not enough leadership, end quote. The desire to know the identity of his night visitor began Hartley's quest for the causes and a real remedy for the growing de degradation of the Maori, who have clearly ceased to know or follow their own traditional ways. Instead, they have become addicts of alcohol, violence, drugs, casual sex, and hence also violent criminal activity. He tells how he came to see that that the reconnection of the Maori people to the highest and best in Maori culture, culture traditions is the answer to the flood of Maori into prison. He states, quote, Although not widely understood, the Maori say there is a divinity to humankind, a heavenly, heavenly potential that gives life dignity and deeper meaning. In fact, the Maori explain our troubled, struggling world through the uncomplicated assertion that we have lost our ability to unleash that divinity, and so we are left to reap the consequences. In simple terms, our modern societies and our busy lifestyles have distracted us from who we truly are, so we have lost sight of what we can truly become." 
Hartley also describes the way he came to know of the identity of the night visitor and his tribe, the recovery of his remains and their eventual internment on his tribal land with an apology from the New Zealand government. And then he set out his desire to listen to those he describes as, quote, scruffy, end quote, Maori, so that he could hear their stories and better understand their blighted world. Ngamahi also provides evidence that despite the degradation taking place among Maori and what must be called the decline of Maori, quote, spirituality, end quote, the memories of those original and subsequent encounters with the divine that buttress the faith, faith of Maori Latter-day Saints are still taking place, though for the very reasons that send the Maori to prison, they are in decline. Without intending to do so, Ngamahi demonstrates that those famous accounts of Maori seers and other similar and closely related stories of signs, wonders, dreams, and heavenly visitors are not to be brushed aside as mere legends or myths, wishful thinking, or mere embellishment of ordinary events. They are still taking place. The evidence, of course, cannot be examined in a brief review of Hartley's spiritual odyssey. A personal excursus. When it arrived unannounced in the mail in February 2013, the first thing I noticed about Ngamahi were the names of Latter-day Saints my wife and I knew while serving as missionaries in New Zealand in 1999 to 2000, such as Cleve Barlow and Wallace Wihongi. Hartley also mentioned some of the same Fanau extended families I knew in 1950. In addition, I also immediately noticed the following statement, quote, I have been to prisons many times and have always had the most amazing, even powerful experiences. I have found that when the focus becomes greater than self, hope moves in the forefront, while race and hatred seem to take a back seat, end quote. In 1999 to 2000, my wife and I became somewhat familiar with the New Zealand criminal justice system. Since for most of two years we visited a prison one afternoon each week. In addition, we also became aware of Maori saints who for many years performed extraordinary services in New Zealand prisons. Hence I was intrigued and then overwhelmed by what I read of Jason Hartley's experiences with the Maori in New Zealand. His recipe for stemming the tide of degradation leading to criminal activity and then prison rang true to me. When I opened Ngamahi, it was immediately apparent to me that Hartley had to be a Latter-day Saint. Hartley's being a Latter-day Saint was not, however, directly relevant to his, quote, final report, end quote, on his decade of work. However, being an Australian and involved with the police seems to have been a handicap with non-LDS Maori, one he had to endure and strive to overcome. However, being a Latter-day Saint, I believe, was very helpful in his work, though it was not, of course, directly relevant to his, quote, final report, end quote, on his decade of work in Fangare. Much of what Hartley describes of arcane Maori traditions seems to have been derived from or with the help of Maori Latter-day Saints in the Northland. This involved friendship with some of the same extended families I encountered in 1950-52 to 52, while I served in the area around Fangare. Are the Maori heavens still open? Much like many LDS missionaries called to New Zealand, I saw evidence from 1950 to 1952 and on subsequent visits of a special openness to the divine among the Maori saints, 
and in 1999 to 2000, while my wife and I were serving as missionaries in New Zealand, we were privileged to witness the continued presence of the gifts of the Holy Spirit among the Latter-day Saints in New Zealand. Despite portions of the larger Maori world being in turmoil, and though they have unfortunately diminished, spiritual gifts have not disappeared among the Maori. The despoiling of the best Maori traditions has yielded a host of evils. These include prisons packed with Maori driven to excess and despair by, among other things, the temptations and the allure of the worst elements of the now dominant European civilization. This is a familiar story. European, quote, discovery, end quote, often tears apart the social order of indigenous peoples. These evils, in addition to diseases for which they tend to lack immunity, and vices to which they often become addicted, which, which include alcohol, drugs, casual sex, and hence the unraveling of the family, gambling, and, and dependence on welfare, all of which lead to violence and crime. Hartley has sought a way out of the current malaise among the Maori. If only the secular authorities, including Maori opinion leaders, will pay attention. Quote, it would have been a gross error on his part, he indicates, to have published a book concerning the life and circumstances of the Fakotoea chief Mokomoko without first seeking the consent of Mokomoko's living descendants. End quote. Why? In the Maori world, it is wise to have permission to tell sacred stories, and one must be truthful in the stories one tells. Hartley tells of some of his own experiences with signs, wonders, and divine things. His book is an account of his own remarkable awakening to the importance of the Maori of a return to the highest and best in their traditional culture. Maori Latter-day Saints will not find his prescription at all objectionable. Those who have served missions in New Zealand will probably be at least somewhat familiar with the kinds of stories that he tells. It is also very likely that they will have come to love the Maori, including those who might have had their moral world blunted by having been, quote, discovered, end quote, and, quote, civilized, end quote, by Europeans with addictive vices and excesses. His book should be valuable to Latter-day Saints who have served missions in New Zealand. Those who would care to probe the heart of the Maori world, despite whatever flaws there are in Ngamahi, will be both edified and inspired by its life-affirming messages. Even those unfamiliar with both New Zealand and the Maori can be instructed by his encounter with the remnants of the older world of the Maori and by the hope it offers. If it is not already clear, I highly recommend Ngamahi. Addenda some polemical notes. When Latter-day Saint missionaries to New Zealand made the first significant contact with the Maori in 1882, they found some who were prepared for both them and their message. Even secularized skeptics or the disaffected tended to grant that this is true. They sometimes ask, why has all that ended? Or, wh or where did all the Maori go? Put another way, various explanations have been proposed by secularized academics challenging the traditional Maori-Mormon, quote, faithful history, end quote. They see the stories as mythical, and hence seek to demythologize what they consider a naive understanding of the real Maori Latter-day Saint past. Critics tend to turn to half-understood categories and explanations of revisionist historians to fashion a secular and presumably, quote, objective, end quote, account. 
Some critics imply that the Maori were and still are a superstitious lot and, therefore, vulnerable to the kinds of beliefs held by Latter-day Saints. Put bluntly, the argument is that some Maori, with the conclusion of naive, uncritical LDS missionaries, fashioned stories that both included and manifest Maori superstition and wishful thinking. These critics assume that naive missionaries were enthralled to these stories, which they then embellished. They grant that something happened, but they then ignore the accounts they think have been embellished and turned into a sort of founding myth by both the Maori saints and their American comrades. An example of this is the claim that what the American LDS missionaries offered was the opportunity for some Maori to forge a new, more noble identity separate from the forms of the rather despised Christian faith of the increasingly dominant land-hungry British colonizers, whose hypocrisy and duplicity tended to make them and their message increasingly distrusted and even despised. My own position is that some, but not all, Maori were prepared by what were authentic divine special revelations to their own Matakite seers, for both the authority and message of the Latter-day Saint missionaries. These, quote, prophets, end quote, including Amara Toira, have drawn considerable attention among both Maori saints and LDS scholars. In addition, many Maori saints still treasure their own accounts of how some of their own ancestors became Latter-day Saints as a result of truly remarkable divine manifestations. I have called attention to all of this elsewhere. In setting out some of the relevant details, I did not, of course, plow entirely new ground. I did not begin with the well-known stories of Maori seers. Instead, I focused on the much less known initial LDS missionary encounter with the Maori. This took place while William Michael Bromley was serving as New Zealand Mission President. His fine diary, which covers his service from 10 December 1880 through 9 August 1883, when he reported back to President John Taylor, provides a carefully written, detailed account of the first of the fruitful LDS missionary endeavor among the Maori. This took place, it seems to me, in part because of an openness at all levels in the traditionally aristocratic Maori society to divine providence and the work of the Holy Spirit. The Maori were not hampered by post-enlightenment distrust of divine things, which tended to make them seem superstitious to some Pakeha European observers, even, including even Christian clergy. I have sought to call attention to an interesting and important Maori institution, Tafare Wananga, Special Schools for Elite Maori, where an esoteric understanding of human and divine things was taught to an aristocratic elite. Secularized critics have ignored such things and hence have missed the point of what took place in what they call, quote, top-down, end quote, conversions. That is, the conversion of a Maori tribal leader opened the way in an aristocratic society for many conversions. They have not addressed the question of exactly what LDS missionaries taught that attracted the attention of those tribal leaders, or how those teachings were understood by those who had been initiated in those wananga. The European focus on, quote, top-down, end quote, conversions, does not address the fact that common Maori also experienced divine special revelations. Bromley provides an elegantly written contemporary account of the initial fruitful encounter of his two companions, 
William John MacDonald, and Thomas Levi Cox, and with him Hari Taimana, who does not seem to have had any special status in the Maori world. Instead, he seems to be a rather ordinary Maori who was, however, prepared by divine special revelation from the Apostle Peter for the arrival of these Latter-day Saints, and also for their priesthood authority and message. This encounter led immediately to a series of baptisms and then to the establishment of the first Maori LDS branch in 1882. This was the first of a series of similar related stories, only some of which included traditional Maori seers. Both Pakeya and Maori critics, often drenched in post-enlightenment skepticism or fanaticism, tend to ignore these Maori encounters with the divine. They do this by pointing to what they consider Maori-Mormon superstition and myth-making that somehow helped make possible or flowed from the positive reception of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ among the Maori. In addition, the Maori arcane teachings, which constitute much of the contents of Hartley's Ngamahi, about which Latter-day Saint missionaries were mostly unaware, seem to fit rather snugly with beliefs of Latter-day Saints that are simply not typically found among either Protestant or Roman Catholic clergy. However, as far as I can see, there is no evidence that Temana or his associates were known as Matakite, seers, or that they had been initiated in the arcane eocult in the Fare Wananga. The conversion of those elite Maori came later, and had considerable lasting impact on the community of saints in New Zealand. Concluding Remarks If one believes that Maori seers once received important divine revelations and other remarkable manifestations of divine providence, do these continue to take place now? It seems to me that Ngamahi provides a qualified but affirmative answer to this question providing an answer to those skeptics who seek to downplay the role played by the traditional Matakite Maori, or to ignore the other remarkable stories treasured by Maori-extended Fanau families. Engamahi shows that the door has not been closed on the kinds of real-world yet extraordinary events that once captured the hearts and minds of Maori saints, as well as those of some of their American LDS missionary associates. Ngamahi shows that among the Maori, the old stories of divine heat dealings with the Maori people have not ceased. There is solid evidence that signs and wonders are still taking place among the Maori. Those not already inclined to brush aside such things will relish Hartley's witness to the opening of the heavens. This has been a recording of The Maori Stairway to Heaven by Lewis Midgley, originally published in Interpreter, a journal, journal of Mormon Scripture, Volume 12, 2014, pages 97 through 110, read by Scott Dunaway. A printed version of this and many other articles and resources on Mormon Scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com.